Tuesday night. I'm going to try to pump out two of these a week just to kind of have you guys have something to listen to on your days of work. I know whenever I'm driving to work, I always want a new podcast to listen to. So hopefully this kind of becomes a regular listen for you guys. Um, But today I really wanted to focus on two main topics. Obviously, I want to continue focusing on my draft guys, my next top six guys on the defensive side of the ball. Once again, um, kind of focusing on more of the position players, you know, some defensive backs, um, some edge rushers and whatnot. Well, I got one defensive lineman in there. Um, and then I want to talk about 23andMe, basically just the, the genetic companies um, and just kind of my conspiracy. I, I have all kinds of stuff about this that freaks me out. So um, I don't even like having one of those Alexas in my house. They just, uh, I think people are they're just letting people just basically rob all your data, all your information, they're giving up everything just to sell to marketing companies. So that's definitely something that I'm trying to prevent. So these um these 23 and me companies kind of freak me out. So I actually wanted to start out with the 23 and me conspiracy um just strictly because a lot of people reach out to me and they're like I don't know anything about football. I don't care about football. So I had a feeling that a lot of times they're trying to fast forward to kind of get to the R Kelly stuff in the last one. So I wanted to go ahead and start off with the 23andMe conspiracy. So the biggest thing is, you know, the, it's it, it's a huge business right now. It's one of the most fastest growing businesses that's been out there. Um, you know, it costs 99 bucks, and, you know, it, it's very low overhead for what they have to do, just getting the DNA to the testing centers. And, you know, the, I think one of the main reasons why people are getting it is because, you know, they want to know, you know, the ancestry part of it, they're... They want to know where they come from. They want to know what are their roots and everything. And, you know, you kind of dig into that. And, you know, I've heard some kind of horror stories of people finding out that, you know, their mom cheated on their dad and they have a different dad than what they thought because their genetics come out differently. So, you know, that's just one portion that, you know, can literally destroy a family. Um, and then you kind of dig into some more stuff, you know, kind of looking in, you know, they're trying to find, you know, what are their various diseases, you know, are they lactose intolerant, you know, what what is their body... Was their body type, you know, going to do well with as far as like dieting and whatnot. So, you know, pretty interesting, I guess, in that aspect of it, if you're trying to really find out what your body's going to be able to, to kind of adapt well to, because once again, um, you know, everybody's body's different, you know, it's just, it's a genetic part of it, but to give up your entire, entire basic heritage, DNA, you know, all your personal information, there's nothing more personal than your personal DNA, um, to just give that up to a company and think that, oh, well, you know, it's ethical, you know, they're, they're fine. It'll be fine. They're just going to lock it in the vault and never use it against me. Um, I'm just not of that thought process. So I wanted to go over just a couple things. I looked up a couple different articles. Um, CNBC actually had a really good article, um, just kind of the five biggest risks of sharing your DNA with consumer genetic testing companies. And, you know, as you read through it, it's kind of, kind of freaks you out a little bit as you read more, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, as you kind of read through this, you know, it's, you know, companies in the space that are most popular is 23andMe um, and then Ancestry. And then I've never heard of this one, Ver- Veritas Genetics. I don't know. I never heard of that one before. But, I you know, that 23andMe is booming. I see it all over the place. The, you know, they sponsor other podcasts and everything like that. And to me, it's just, you know, I hear it and I'm like, you know, are you really willing to give up all your personal stuff? just to find out, you know, what, if you can drink milk properly or not. So, you know, the, the first one that it kind of talks about is hacking, you know, obviously if someone ever hacked into their database and, you know, 
people will be like, well, well, you sound like a conspiracy theorist, you know, talking about hacking into stuff. Well, Facebook has been hacked, you know, supposedly like one of the most secure things that's supposed to be secure is, you know, all your Facebook information and everything. And that's been hacked numerous times. And, you know, there's been tons of companies hacked. I remember I had an Xbox Live account, you know, with Microsoft, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, and that got hacked. And then someone bought, you know, $1,200 worth of stuff um, on my credit card that was on there. So, you know, everything can always be hacked. And, you know, you think about this as, you know, you know, you think about who's going to try to hack into this. And you think, you know, a terrorist organization trying to create some kind of deadly virus or something. Once again, I know I sound like I have a tinfoil on my head right now, but you really think about that and you, it's very realistic that somebody can hack into that, create some kind of, you know, flu or something like that, that, you know, that let's just say 40% of the Americans will not be able to fight and we don't have a, a cure for, they release that into the air, into the water system. And, you know, you're wiping out 40% of Americans or, you know, if you're also think that at some point they're going to try to have a population control, you know, you know, the extreme rich, the extreme powerful in the entire world, you know, it'll be pretty simple to wipe out 40% to 60% of everybody on this earth by just looking at this 23andMe, you know, this ancestry, you know, you get this DNA and you're like, oh, well, there's, there's a missing gene that doesn't, you know, is not immune to this kind of thing. And the, the likelihood of them dying is like 85% of if they get infected. So, you know, they do that. And then, you know, this, that's just one portion of it. Once again, um, you know, the hacking piece of it is just something that freaks me out because, you know, you think about just the terrorist stuff, you talk about the, you know, just, they couldn't even keep our supposed, um, election from not getting hacked because they said the Russians hacked it. So, you know, it just, it's just so many, so much potential to get hacked and just have so much personal information stolen out there. Um, then the next, next portion of this, I guess, is something that kind of, I think about a lot. I'm a business guy. Um, obviously I, I'm in, I'm in sales and, you know, I think about, think about the bottom line and, you know, these companies are obviously very money hungry. It's, it's very booming business and they're trying to make as much money as possible. So who may profit on your DNA? And, you know, some, you know, the simple part of it is, is, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how many people end up start having like, Oh, I'm going to be allergic to this. Well, there's a cure for, and we can sell it through this. So, you know, it's just different ways to all of a sudden they kind of get you down this rabbit hole of, you know, oh, well, you know, there's there's a good likelihood that you're going to be allergic to shellfish or something like this, but you might not be, but you might be. So you might want to take this pill. We just so happen to sell it. So then all of a sudden, you know, they don't only get you buying a $100 DNA kit, then all of a sudden they're selling you pills or the company that is advertising with them is all of a sudden selling you pills. So, you know, once again, this is just, you know, just my thought process. I'm not researched on that. That is just what I think. I just think that they get that once they kind of get you diving down this this rabbit hole and just kind of chasing one thing, all of a sudden, you know, you find one route that kind of goes down one way and then all of a sudden you're down a whole totally different rabbit hole and you know, you're thinking that you might have this heart condition later on down the road, you might have respiratory issues. So all of a sudden you kind of go through that and you're like, "Oh shit, I need all these pills. I need you know, I need this Flonase, I need all this stuff. And, you know, I need Zyrtec for my allergies because I might have allergies when I get older. So, you know, you go down these rabbit holes and it's, it's, it's just a way to sell people more stuff that they don't need. Um, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, I realize everybody right now has to be gluten free and, you know, just that's like the new craze. And, you know, even though I think it's been proven only like 3% are actually legitimately allergic to gluten now, 
you know, there's a lot of people who maybe their body doesn't consume gluten that well, and that might be a whole totally different thing, and, you know, that's very likely, but, you know, all of a sudden, they're, you know, they can, up like, oh, well, you know, you don't digest gluten very well, but we sell these pills, because once again, they're going to take advantage of people that are, you know, bought a $100 DNA kit, well, maybe they'll be willing to buy this, so I think as you kind of dive into that a little bit deeper, that's where they're going to really start making more and more money on it, because all of a sudden, you get a monthly thing of pills that cost $20, well, you know, 12 times 20, that's 240 bucks every month or every year that they're going to be making on you. And once you kind of get addicted to that, it's something that you have to have because in your mental prospect, is that what you, that's what you have to have. So I think that's something that definitely, um, is kind of on the horizon if it's not already out there either. Um, once again, I am, I've never even gone on one of these websites. So if you guys have, if you guys are a 23andMe person, you got your genetics and all this stuff, and you're saying that I'm full of shit, that's totally fine. Um, it's just one thing that I believe. I just think that it, there's just so much potential for them to try to make more money off people once they kind of start buying into this. So, um, And then the next piece in the portion of this is, is laws covering genetic privacy not broad enough. So you think about, you know, what are the laws saying about DNA? I mean, this wasn't even a, a way of making income, you know, five years ago. This is something that's relatively brand new um, and it's just booming. So all of a sudden, you know, what are the laws saying that, you know, you have to protect the DNA? What if, what if the government wants your DNA? What if they're looking for a serial killer and all of a sudden the government says they have to have your DNA and then all of a sudden they have DNA of all of California on their records? You know, you just, you think about, you know, once again, conspiracy theorists to a certain degree, you know, you can say that I have have a tinfoil on my head, but once you give, you know, the government so much power into your DNA and, you know, everything like that, all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it's no telling what will end up happening. And that's just something that I think. So, you know, there's not really any laws that really protect it besides, you know, the privacy agreement that they have. And, you know, as we go into this, there's one, the next one is kind of interesting, or I guess the, the last one's kind of interesting about that. Um, but I mean, pre- pretty much you, you agree to a privacy code that they'll not give your private, they'll not give your DNA out. But once again, what is, where, what is the fine print of that saying, you know, what if the government is wants your DNA? What if the, the they're like, well, we we have a we have a suspect that is a, you know, for myself a thirty year old Caucasian male, um, and he lives in Phoenix, Arizona. We need all the DNA of all those guys that fall into that category. All of a sudden, they have my DNA, not even by not because they asked for it, not because of anything like that, but they just have my DNA. So you know, and it's not something that you know. Obviously, I don't have anything to hide, but. I would rather not have the government have every single DNA thing on my body. You know what I mean? They can figure out exactly what's going on with everybody. So, you know, once again, this gets kind of deeper and goes into a little bit, a little bit of a different rabbit hole of that. But I mean, you know, you go into, you go into some of the stuff and I mean, you know, when it's, once again, you know, you're going to be able to find some of this, some of the, I think one of the guys, what well, one of the serial killers, I think, for like forever that they couldn't find. They kind of found him through one of these 23andMe sites or something. They, they were able to use some DNA off and found him, which is fantastic. That That's great they're able to find him. You know what I mean? I'm not saying anything bad about that portion of it, but just the amount of DNA that they're going to be able to have is just, it's frightening because you're basically giving your entire life and how they how somebody can literally wipe you out just handing it over to the government. So, I mean, you know, and it's the, the government is you know, it, it's kind of an unbalanced situation right now, as to say the least. I mean, depending on what side you're on, you're either happy or mad about 50% of the time because 
50% of the time, all the people on Trump's side is super, ha super happy and they think the government's great. And then the other 50% of the time when he's not getting his way, everyone's upset. And then obviously the Democrats are the same way. 50% of the time whenever they're blocking Trump from getting what he wants, they're happy. And then the other 50% of the time whenever Trump's getting what he wants, they're unhappy. So, you know, it's it's kind of a give and take. And then, you know, all of a sudden you put your DNA in there and, you know, it, it just, it's just a crazy thing to me to give, to give that up. Um, and then the last portion, um, or the last two is kind of, you know, kind of given. So law enforcement knows these companies have your DNA and they may want it and they're already asking. So, you know, what's, what's kind of holding them back from getting that. And then, um, just the last one, um, just the company's situation or privacy statement can change. So that's one that I wanted to talk a little bit about is, you know, the privacy statement. I feel like every time I log into iTunes, I have to do a new privacy statement saying something, you know, I feel like I have to update my apps all the time. There's a new privacy statement or something. So, you know, this companies are going to have new privacy statements saying what they can and can't do with your DNA. And, you know, as you go through more and more of these privacy statements, you know, they can, you know, there's no chance of saying, you know, majority of the time you just click agree and you just move apart, move upon your day. So same kind of thing. You just click it. You oh, I want to, I want to find out what I'm allergic to. I want to find out if I'm one sixteenth Cherokee or whatever you want to figure out. And then all of a sudden you agree to it. And then all of a sudden you didn't read the fine print and they're like, oh, well, by the way, we're, we're giving all your information out to every supplement company. So if you are found with any of the likelihood of these diseases, you're going to be getting emails and all this stuff for the rest of your life. And, you know, for myself, if someone were to email you and be like, hey, you're, you have a 25% chance of getting a heart attack by the time you're six, you're like, oh, I'm freaking out, you know, and then you're going to look into this stuff, which I mean, you know, I mean, the common American, I would say just, I would say that's a pretty common thing. You know, I feel like I hear about someone getting a heart attack pretty regularly and I don't know if how much you can actually do to prevent that besides just try to be healthy. So, you know, I, I think once again, I am a conspiracy theorist with this. This is one of the, this is one of the bigger things that I think kind of freaks me out. Um, so I did want to go over that. I know I kind of touched on this a little bit prior in the earlier episode, just, you know, talking, you know, very briefly about the, the conspiracy theorist, but I want to talk about, it. I find it kind of funny. You know, my, my fiance always kind of makes fun of me about it because, you know, um, we, we got an Alexa for Christmas for my boss and, you know, I was, I was like, we're not using this. We can't use, we can't use Alexa because I already feel like I get watched on my cell phone by, you know, if I'm talking about whenever I was looking for her engagement ring, I remember I talked about it with one of my buddies and all of a sudden for the next like month and a half on my Instagram, I got things popping up about Instagram or popping about um, engagement rings. And then the freakier ones are whenever you're just thinking about something and then all of a sudden it pops up. I'm like thinking about getting a new car. And then all of a sudden I start getting car ads and I'm like, what is going on? How, how is this happening? It's like they're, they're embedded into my brain. So, you know, if I already feel like that and then all of a sudden you add an Alexa into it and then all of a sudden you throw your DNA into it, it just freaks me out. So that was just my, uh, that was just my kind of social thing that I wanted to talk about. Kind of something that I've been, I've been, um, talking about pretty regularly actually in my household. So, and then the next portion of this, um, actual podcast, once again, I talked about this, uh, my top um, six defensive guys. Um, so as we kind of transition into this, um, you know, kind of kicking off with the, with the top guy, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard about this guy. His name's Ed Oliver, um, plays for the, played for Houston. Um, this guy, you know, once again, I, I think, you know, you kind of look at his stats and everything and, you know, it's, it's nothing amazing considering he played in a lower conference. You know, I think 2017, he had 73, 73 tackles. 2016, he had 65, actually went down, but he was actually hurting a lot of part of the year. I think he kind of held himself out of some of these games, just trying to protect himself. Um, but if you look at him, when he plays top talent, he's just a force to be reckoned with. I, I don't think he's going to be, 
you know, an Aaron Donald kind of guy. I don't think he's going to have that kind of pass rush, that kind of capability. Um, but you look at him, 6'3", 292. Um, you know, once again, I'm a Tampa Bay fan. You know, he, I think that he has the great potential to be like a Gerald McCoy. You know, I think that he has that, you know, that rush defense just, you know, demanding a lot of attention on that inside portion. And, you know, he's going to be, you know, he's more than likely going to be a top five pick, you know, depending on what happens with quarterbacks and whatnot. So you talk about the top five teams that are going to be in need of a defensive stopper and, you know, you, you just think about it, there. There's a lot of potential up in those top five teams for him to go. I, I think he's going to be a great guy. I think he has a good size, six three, two ninety two. He has great move, great um, great um. What am I trying to say? Light on his feet is what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. Um. So you know, you kind of think about that, and then you know, he's going to be able to go in there, and he's going to be playing for a team that's in need of defense. Obviously, you know, you look at the top defenses, you know, or the top teams drafting Arizona Cardinals. I think they're probably taking Nick Bosa. Um. And then, you know, he can go two, three, maybe four. Um, I know they're talking about maybe maybe him falling to the Falcons in like the fourteenth overall, but you know, that'll be that'll be kinda later. I I don't think that he'll he'll fall I don't think he'll fall that late. Um you, know, you talk about maybe an earlier team picking him up. But, you know, once again, just a force to be reckoned with. So that's my first guy. Um the next one I have is Josh Allen. Um he played he was an edge rusher for Kentucky. This guy was a monster. Once again, I, I said in the earlier one, I watched Kentucky a lot this year. Just no re I'm not a Kentucky fan. It just so happened they were always on for some reason. Um, but I mean the guy, he, he you know, he's a true stud. He was, you know, he played from his freshman year, he's a true senior. Um, you know, he had a total of fifty-six um tackles, uh or I'm sorry, eighty-eight total tackles, fifty-six solo. Um, and you know, you just look at, you look at him, he had a total, just a total dominant aspect and he can play anywhere. The nice thing is, is you can line him up and play him outside linebacker. He can play as a true edge rusher. He just has, has that freak of nature build and the guy is fast. You know, he has great hands. He's six five, two sixty. I think he'll be someone great to watch at the combine just because whenever you watch him run, he's going to look like a gazelle out there. He's a huge, huge guy. Um, I think he's going to be very similar to the guy the Saints went up and drafted early in the round. I think they gave up a first round to the Packers last year. So, I mean, once again, I think this guy's going to go earlier than where he's actually set right now just simply because of his athleticism. I think he's going to be somebody that once he gets out there and he runs and they see how high he can jump, I see him going a lot higher than where he's actually positioned right now. I think he – let me see. I think he's I think he's positioned in the top 20 in the draft right now, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. Give me a sec. Yeah, he's he's at number sixteen. I can see him being a top ten guy just strictly because of his athletic ability, and there there's just so much good defensive talent in this um, actual draft. I can see someone moving up to try to pick him up early. Um, and then I want to go to a guy that you know most of you guys probably won't hear about. Um, kind of leading up to, they're going to talk about those top you know twenty twenty five guys. This guy's name is Anthony Nelson. He played um he played defensive end for. Um, for the Buckeyes, I'm sorry. He's 6'7", 271. Dude is a monster. Huge talent. He's got great speed. Um, and the thing that I liked is every year he got better. You know, 16, 33 tackles, 41 tackles, 45 tackles. But he never had that huge year. So, you know, you see some of these guys, you know, they went from 50 tackles up to 65 tackles. And he had 17, 17 um, sacks. You know, the, he never had that. He was just consistent. He was at six sacks, seven and a half, nine and a half. You know, two forced fumbles in 2016, two forced fumbles in 2017. Um, you know, just a consistent player. And once again, 6'7", you're going to be able to put maybe a little bit more weight on him, but he's going to be a fast guy coming off the edge. You know, you you know he's going to be probably a second round, you know, probably a mid-second round guy, maybe a third round guy, depending on what is needed. 
as people start reaching for different kind of positions. But, you know, you see him landing on a great team. Like, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, he lands on a Patriots who get him a late second-round pick. He's a perfect guy to go up there and, you know, because more than likely Flowers is going to be out of there because they can't afford to pay him. So, you know, they're going to put him at defensive end. He's going to be a great – he's just going to be a stud that, you know, you look at the end of the year and he's going to be somebody that, you know, like, well – he was a great value draft pick just because of his size. He's going to be knocking balls down. He's going to be an amazing athlete. So, so that's, that's my guy, Anthony Nelson. Um, and then moving into um, the linebacker position, um, I only have one linebacker. This guy is just the most true linebacker in the draft, Devin White out of LSU. Um, dude, 2018, 123 tackles. 2017, 133 tackles. You know, he's always around the ball. He only had three sacks in 2018, four and a half in 2017. But he had three forced fumbles this year. The guy is just a stud. I mean, you look at him, he's he's 6'1", 240 pounds. You know, LSU breeds defensive players. He's going to go out there and he's just going to he's going to be great for whoever he plays for. He's going to be – he should be a top 10 guy. I could see him falling a little bit just because you start seeing quarterbacks get moved up, drafted earlier than what they probably should be. But you see, once again, you see this guy going to a team that needs a defensive stud on him. Um, you know, I know nobody's going to want to hear this if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, but – you know, I could see him being a great Bengal um, just because, you know, you guys are losing a linebacker um, and you guys got to have some defense in there. This guy just goes in there. He's going to be a starter from day one. He's just that guy kind of guy. So I think he's going to be a big guy. I think out of the SEC, I think he's going to be one of the defensive guys that people look back on and they really think that he was just the guy coming out. Um, and then moving into the defensive backfield. So these guys are always great to talk about. I want to talk about a hitting safety. His name's Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So Chauncey Gardner Johnson out of Florida. Um, dude, six foot, two hundred seven. Just a prototypical safety. Um, you know, the guy had four interceptions this year, but the big one is he had two interceptions in Michigan. You know, that that was the big game. They they basically went in and smacked Michigan all over the place um, in two thousand eighteen. So. You know, he, he's a guy that likes to get up there. He made he had 10 tackles. Probably his worst actual coverage game was against Georgia, but he had 10 tackles, um, you know, three solo tackles. The guy's always around the ball. You know, you talk about big games. That's when the guy showed up. He had 11 tackles against LSU. Um, you know, so you talk about two of the bigger opponents that, you know, he had multiple tackles on. You know, the thing is that, you know, Florida was actually competitive this year. They, they had a pretty rough spot, you know, maybe two years ago. But, you know, this year, you know, I think they only lost three games. And the three games they lost to, you know, Missouri and Georgia kind of blew them out of the water. And they're right there with Kentucky. But everybody else, they, you know, they, they kind of handed it to. They, they smacked Tennessee, which Tennessee wasn't great this year. But they were able to get wins against LSU, able to beat Michigan, um, you know, you know, you kind of look at some of these other schools, they're able to beat South Carolina and then, you know, they beat Florida State before. Florida State was really known to be kind of a, a fraud as far as a, an athletic program. So this year, so, so, you know, once again, this guy's going to be a hitting safety. He's going to be able to come down, play in the box and play some defense. You know, I think this guy, once again, he'll probably be drafted in the second round. Um, you know, once again, he's more of a hitting safety than he is necessarily a, um, a coverage safety just, just because of his, his acumen. He likes to come down and hit people. So you kind of look at that, you know, what kind of, what kind of teams will kind of like that. I think, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I think with the defensive packages that the chargers actually run with, you know, a lot of times they're out there with six, seven DBs on the field. You, know, you kind of put this guy out there. He, he has decent size. He likes to hit, you know, that's somebody that could fit into that, um, that San Diego prototype, especially, um, they have that other young safety they drafted last year. So, you know, you kind of get them side by side and they're going to have two great um, future safeties there. So somebody that I could see going there. Um, and then 
Um, my last guy, Joe Joe Juan Williams. He's out of Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he's not he's not one of the top guys. You know, not Greedy Williams. Um, you know, I. I know there's a lot of really good DBs kind of coming out this year, but this guy, the main reason why I chose this guy is just because he has the build to be kind of that that next big, um, you know, Sherman kind of guy. You know, he's 6'3", 208 pounds. He played in the SEC, played for Vanderbilt. Um, so, you know, Vanderbilt's a great school. You got to be smart to go there, but you just kind of look at him and he's actually, he actually took a huge step up this year. He had 61 tackles from 39. So he, you know, just kind of looking at that, the guy learned how to actually hit people. You know, you go from 39 tackles up to 61. That means that you learned how to play it means he got a lot more playing time and he also had four interceptions. Now, the only concern is he only had eight yards in return yards, which, you know, that means, you know, he doesn't have a lot of, you know, you kind of look at that, maybe he caught the ball and got tackled right away, whatever, but you know, you'd like to see, you know, some return yards on him. A couple of the other guys, you know, they, they ran for touchdowns. You know, I think I looked at the the Georgia DB that I think he's going to he's the number one corner coming out. You know, he has some good return yards on his interceptions, you know, eight yards. So, you know, something that probably needs to be taught. But the thing that I really like is he's going to be able to come in and get some tackles. So, I, you know, I think this will be huge. You know, I think this this guy, you line him up and I did just see him being just one of those shutdown corners. And you talk about what teams can really use it. You know, you put this guy in the you put this guy in the Cowboys, and it's gonna be it's gonna be dangerous. You know, or you know, even the 49ers, You put him on the 49ers, The 49ers are an improving defensive squad. You know, you, you know, even though they finished terribly last year, you know, they have a lot of young players. But all of a sudden, you put a great um, corner that can actually learn from Sherman, same kind of body type. You know, Sherman is gonna be there for another year, maybe two, and really teach him how to play the position. You know, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a dangerous corner on down the road just because of his simple size. You know, he's gonna be able to play with those with those big wide receivers. You know, so those are my six defensive guys um, that I really like. I think I think all of them have a lot of upside. Um, and the nice thing is, is I think some of them are actually gonna be falling a little bit later, which is always exciting because you know I, I you know I didn't want to talk about Nick Bosa or you know any of those other guys that are gonna be drafted in the top five, but I did want to talk about the Houston guy just because. They're, they, you know, I think he's somebody that might fall just simply because, you know, he's not that electric player. He's not the guy that, you know, he comes out on film and, you know, you, you see him playing there. He looks great, but he's not the guy that just comes on, comes on tape and takes it over just simply because plays defensive tackle he, he stops the run he does get up the field but once again he's you know he's not going to be you know the Aaron Donald defensive tackle that's just not his not his um forte but I can promise you if you get a Gerald McCoy in the middle of your line you can get that with your number one draft pick you're going to be happy for years to come because he will get in there and definitely stop the game so um and then I just want to kind of end the thing or in the actual podcast on some college basketball um just two games that I actually had picked tonight I actually had Missouri plus 12 they lost and then I had LSU um minus four against West Virginia and I I just for whatever reason I cannot choose games against West Virginia um I feel like every game they're getting blown out by 40 points and then all of a sudden they're playing you know a ranked squad or you know TCU's trying to get in the tournament and you know they're losing to West Virginia granted it was at West Virginia but it's like come on you know it's it's kind of piss poor um, and then another game I was kind of looking at, you know, New Mexico is playing San Jose State. San Jose State's only won like three games the entire year. And, you know, as of right now, 
you know, we're about 15 minutes into the second half and New Mexico's down, you know, I think five points. So, you know, the, the college basketball season is definitely underway. It's going to be pretty interesting to, uh, upcoming. I think, you know, Duke losing to Virginia Tech, I think starting to kind of show what's going to happen with Duke. You know, if Zion Williamson isn't there, you know, I think they're going to be in trouble. I think it's going to, it's going to be an early out for them. Um, especially, you know, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the other guy there with, um, was on, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but you know, him seeing Zion kind of sitting out preparing for the draft, I think just in his mindset, you know, he's going to want to go out there and play basketball with his team and stuff. But at the same time, he's going to be looking at the next level as well and being like, well, you know, I have millions of dollars upcoming, you know, do I really want to push it this hard? So I think that's something to kind of keep in mind whenever you're kind of getting ready to do the brackets. Um, and yeah, guys, that's pretty much all I have. I just want to touch on a little bit of basketball as it's as it is kind of getting into March Madness. You know, it's right around the corner. Um, kind of wild. We have uh, March first on Friday. Kind of crazy stuff. Um, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, if anybody needs to have any comments or anything like that, once again, feel free to um, to send me a DM on the on the Instagram page. Coops Chalk Talk is the handle. Um, get on there, please subscribe to this. And once again, I'll keep sending these out about once or I'm sorry, twice every week, try to be pretty consistent with it. As I know that, um, you know, some of my favorite podcasts, you know, the consistency is key because I like to listen to them on a regular basis. Um, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your night and, um, I will talk to you guys later. Thanks.